Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62 says this. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word that the Lord gave me for us in this season, and if you're a part of Grace Covenant Church, you consider this your home for you in this season, is simply this, and it's the title of my message. It's called Burn the Backups. Would you pray with me? Jesus, help. Lord, be glorified. Lord, we welcome your presence in this place. We exalt you above all others. We say, Lord, have your way with me. Have your way with this church. Open the scripture to us. Make us more like you. Lord, there's nothing more valuable to us than your presence. Holy Spirit, come. Do what I can't do. Do what we can't do. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See, Jesus, by this point in his ministry, had been preaching the gospel, but also doing miracles, casting out demons, raising people from the dead, calming storms, all this he's done, Luke chapter 1 through 9. And we seemingly get a new part of Jesus' ministry from 9 moving forward. 9, we find Jesus teaching more than doing miracles. I looked it up and Jesus was casting out demons, raising people from the dead, calming storms. And as soon as we get to Luke chapter 9... 9 through 19 is Jesus preparing the way for him to go to Jerusalem. As if to say, he was getting ready for what he really came to do. To go in front of the religious leaders and be crucified. And from the point we get to Luke chapter 9 through Luke 19, you find that Jesus does four recorded miracles. In 10 chapters, four recorded miracles. When he's done so many before in Luke chapters 1 through 9. 
Now, this isn't to say that Jesus didn't do other miracles in 9 through 19. This is to say that Luke was teaching us something about Jesus' purpose in this book. And Luke was teaching us that Jesus was actually teaching, telling parables, commanding them about the kingdom of God and what they are to suffer, what they are to be, what they are to do. And then as soon as we get to Luke 9, we find Jesus having this encounter with these three men seemingly dissuading them from following him. But I don't believe that Jesus is dissuading these men from following him at all. I believe that Jesus is actually preparing them to follow him. These three men come up to Jesus and he pretty much comes back to them and says, this life that you're looking for, it's not going to be comfortable. This life you're looking for that I have that you think that I can give you, it's not going to be convenient this, this life that you're coming to me to get, it's not going to be casual. They come to Jesus and they just say this one thing. One of them says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus responds with, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes, birds have the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. As if to say, Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem and I will have no place to lay my head. They will not receive me well there. I know you see all of the miracles and all of the signs and all of the wonders that I did in chapters one through nine. But let me tell you something, what you're looking for might not be what you get with me. Then he goes to the second man. He actually asks this man to follow him. He says, you follow me. And then this man responds with, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. You proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, this isn't Jesus being cruel to this man to say, you can't go to your father's funeral. This is Jesus saying to this man, I'm not going to wait for you because, the, because this man was saying, hey, When my dad dies, I get his inheritance. So when my dad dies and I get what my dad has, then I'll come and follow you. This man was saying, Jesus, I'll follow you. Just not yet. Third man approaches Jesus. I'll follow you. Let me come and follow you. And then this man says, first, let me go and say farewell to everybody who's at my house. (laughs) And Jesus responds with no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God as if to say, you cannot walk in your new life while looking at your old life. But I don't believe Jesus was dissuading them from following him. I believe that Jesus was actually preparing them. He's saying, you've seen all the miracles in chapters one through nine. Now it's time for nine through 19. And guess what happens at 19? The triumphal entry where he's going to appear in Jerusalem and then you're really going to see what it costs to follow Jesus. That's what he's trying to get them to understand is I know you see the miracles. I know you think following Jesus is supposed to make your life beautiful and easy and your life will be forever changed in the best ways possible. That problems will stop and good things will start. That your family won't have issues anymore. That your bank account is going to be beautiful and your anxiety is going to go down. But Jesus says, there's a cost. To following me. I know you look at all the things that I've done in chapters 1 through 9. But get ready because there is a steep cost in following me. Are you ready for it? You see, these men all had backup plans. And Jesus was simply telling them, burn your backups. 
What's a backup plan? The backup plan is the thing that's stopping you from fully committing to the purpose that God has for your life. It's it's the thing that keeps you from putting all of your eggs in Jesus' basket. It's the thing that tells you, I'm going to leave a crack in the door just in case. It's a backup plan. Jesus looks at these three men, some who want to follow, some he asks to follow, and he gives them all one command in unison, burn your backups. See, to walk into all that God has for us, we have to let go of all the things that are holding us back. What if your backup plan is actually the thing that's holding you back? What if you're not holding on to your backup plan? What if your backup plan is holding on to you? What if you're not giving all to Jesus because you're not so sure that he can deliver on his promises? So you say, God, I know you said you do it. I know you have promises in a book and I know that my family has seen your word done, but just in case, you see, we all have backups. I don't know what yours might be. Yours might be money. Yours might be your family. Yours might be your reputation. Yours might be your network or your net worth. Yours might be your self-identity. Yours might be what you have to give up, but all of us have a backup. You know, Abram and Sarai, they had a backup. We find two, one, the father of the faith, who has been given this amazing promise by God, who says your descendants are going to outnumber the stars. And then they realize the reality of the situation that they're in. We are old, getting older, have no kids. There is no inheritance to give away. If we die, it goes to people who we're not even related to. What are we going to do? We know that God promised this, but I'm not so sure that he's going to deliver on it. So Abram and Sarai conspire together and say, well, if we're not going to have a kid, then I, I, th- I think we might just need to like figure out our own plan. Sarai looks at Abram. Abram looks at Sarai. He says, you know what, Abram? You need to have a child with Hagar, a servant. And therefore, at least you'll have somebody who you can give all of this blessing to. And he has a child with Hagar. He has a, he has a backup plan. God, just in case you won't do your job, I'll do it for you. Just in case I can't trust you, I think I can trust myself. It doesn't seem like you're going to be able to deliver on your promise. So I'm going to leave a crack in the door to make sure that my life doesn't tank. They have a backup plan, Abram and Sarah. Hagar gets pregnant and has a kid, but they realize that this is not the child of the promise. They had a backup plan that stopped them from giving everything that they had to God. They wouldn't commit to Jesus. And here's the thing is that not all backup plans are bad. These three men, they wanted to say goodbye to their family. They wanted to get an inheritance and they wanted to leave a legacy. That's not a bad thing. And yet Jesus says, do you know what it's going to cost you? 
And the reason why Abram, Sarai, these disciples, and, or these, these, these alleged or wanting to be disciples of Jesus had a backup plan is because we all believe the same thing. That having a backup plan is safer. It's wisdom. I, I need to have something just in case. And let me tell you something. People who are sold out to Jesus, what I've learned, don't use safety nets. They're not saying, I'm going to follow Jesus, but just in case he doesn't deliver on his promise, I'm going to leave a crack in the door so that I can catch myself if he lets me fall. It's not what followers of Jesus do. That's not what, these, that's not what Jesus is asking these alleged disciples to do. He's saying, just in case you don't do it, then I'll do it. God, I, I'm going to do your job for you. Burn the backup. You see, some of our backup plans aren't just backup plans. Some of our backup plans are actually backup lives. I'm going to follow Jesus until it works out. But as soon as my life doesn't look like what I think it should look like, or I'm not as blessed as I was blessing myself to be, that's when I'm going to turn away. I'm going to leave a crack in the door. I'm going to withhold something from God just in case. And we look at the Apostle Paul who writes this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but he says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. See, Paul simply knew that to follow Jesus, he had to forsake all others, including himself, including his backup plan. What I've realized is following Jesus is you can't fully realize your purpose in God until you release your plan. See, God, I... I have a plan of what my life, want. I wanted it to look like. I had a dream. I had a hope. I went to school for it. I sacrificed so much for it. I committed my life. I sacrificed maybe my family, maybe my 20s, maybe my 30s. I did so much for this. You say, God, but I have to let it, I have to release it to you. Because the backup plan is the one thing that's prohibiting you from realizing the full purpose that God has for your life. Jesus says to the disciples and he says to us today, burn the backup. He says, let go of the thing that's been holding on to you that is actually stopping you from holding on to me because you think it's safer to hold on to your purpose than to follow me into what I actually have for you. He's saying, burn the backup. Would you let it go? Would you follow Paul and press on towards the goal? Which means forgetting what lies behind. If you don't let your backup go, your backup will lead you. It's going to lead you to your own purpose and it's going to forfeit what God has for you. As I was preparing for this, I realized that I've never shared my testimony with most of us in this building. That I actually, um, sadly, I never wanted to go into ministry. That was never in the, in the plan for me. 
It's not that I didn't like ministry. I just never thought about it. I didn't want it. I had a plan that I was going to be an athlete and I really thought I was going to do it. And I remember as I was growing up, all my friends were athletes and, and we were all hanging out. And we said, we're going to make it to the league. We're going to make it to the league. And, and there was one moment as I was playing sports every season, loving competing. There was a moment where my friend came up to me who he will not be named. And he came up to me and he was like, hey, um, there's a church Christmas play going on. You and I should audition for it. And I was like, a, a Christmas play? <laughs> I said, you want to do a play like theater? I was like, dude, come on. And he's like, bro, no, we should do a Christmas play. Like, this is going to be so, it was when we were in KB, all of our church members over there. If we were to do a Christmas play, it's going to be so much fun. I said, bro, what are you talking about, a Christmas play? I said, no, that sounds stupid. Who does plays? We do sports. That's not what we do. We don't go to rehearsals. We go to practice. What are you talking about? And, and he looks at me and he's like, he said, if, if, if you don't audition with me, we're not friends anymore. I said, how dare you? And to this day, Kaylin and I are still not very, whoops. <laughs> I auditioned for this play. I was so upset because I loved it. And I was like, this is really fun. So we started doing all these plays together and doing theater. And I was like, this is so fun. I kept doing sports and year after year after year, kept doing play after play after play. And, and then I got to high school. And when I was in high school, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop doing sports. And I had this like love for acting. I, I really believed that I was going to be before he was. I thought I was T'Challa. I had, an, had no doubt in my mind. I was like, Oscars, I'm on my way there. I really thought this. And um, so I told God, I was like, God, if this is what you want... I give it to you. I give it to you. Acting, if this is what you want me to do, I give it to you. God, whatever you want to do with it, do with it. I kept acting. I auditioned for this art school, pretty good art school. I got into the art school, and that was confirmation for me. Oh, my goodness. God wants me to be an actor. He wants me to go to L.A. This is my calling. I get into school, and, and I'm like, God, this is for you. I start getting roles after roles after roles, and I was like, God's blessing me. I'm going to go and be famous. This is going to be the best thing ever. And I remember sophomore year of college. I went to our Every Nation student conference, one that we host here now every single year in February. Went to our Every Nation student conference. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing at our church in North Carolina, Kings Park. And as we were there, me and my friends stayed up so late on Friday night, four or five in the morning, that we were just talking, crying, laughing, whatever. And we get to the morning session on Saturday. Once we get to the session, we're sitting in the back of the sanctuary and all of a sudden, I just fall asleep. I knock out. Confession time. I fell asleep in church. And as I fell asleep, I was just like, no idea what was going on. I wake up, and then I hear the pastor say, now, uh, no, sorry, I, I see everybody walking down uh, um, the sanctuary, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, go down to the altar. And so I was seeing people go down to the altar, so I was like, okay, cool. So I stand up, and I go down to the altar. I'm walking down, I'm looking around, and my only thought is, I really hope this isn't a call to salvation, because I'm already saved. <laughs> people are going to think, Pastor Brett's son ain't saved, right? And so I was like, this is going to be embarrassing, right? And so I'm going down the altar, and I'm like, I have no idea what this is for. I'm not kidding. I walk down. I don't remember the pastor. I don't remember the message. I don't remember what they were talking about. I, I have no idea. And I'm standing there with all these strangers, hundreds of students, dozens of students down here at the front. I look up at the pastor, and he says, all right, everybody, let's give it up for everybody who just answered the call to full-time ministry. And I said, no. <laughs> and I tried to walk away. 
And I was like, this is not for me. I'm not doing this. And I literally tried to leave. The pastor said, so that we don't miss anybody, everybody going to this classroom. I was like, my God. So I be polite and I go into the classroom. I'm not kidding. I go into the classroom and I'm sitting there. Somebody's crying on my left. Somebody's smiling on my right. And I'm sitting there like, why am I here? sit there. I go through the presentation. They say all the stuff. And then I get out of the presentation. First thing I do, I call dad. He's like, Hey, how's the conference? I said, man, the conference is so good. The worship is awesome. Preachers are amazing. I accidentally answered the call to full-time ministry. He said, accidentally. I was like, yeah, I don't really know. I'll tell you later. He says, okay, finish the conference. Have fun. I said, all right, cool. Finish the conference. This is February. I go back for spring break back home. Sophomore year, probably 2014, 2015, get back home. And as I get back home, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, God just called me to ministry. I'm about to go tell my dad who's in ministry. He's going to be so excited. This is going to be the best news ever. Father-son duo, unstoppable. That's what I thought. I walk in, no lie. This is what I thought. I walked in, spring break, tell him the story. Dad looks at me and he says, well, son, if you can do anything except for going into ministry, you should do that instead. I said, I must not be called. <laughs> he doesn't think so, so I'm definitely not called. And I was so confused, and I was like, what in the world? So I go back to school, and I just start praying and praying and fasting, and I'm there, and, and I can't tell you, that was spring break, February conference, spring break in March or April. By May, I don't know if acting decreased or ministry increased, but all of the sudden, God gripped my heart, and I knew I could do nothing else but preach the gospel. I looked at God and I said, I don't even know what this means. I don't know what going into ministry means. And the Lord told me, he said, you remember when you gave me acting back in high school? Well, I want it back. He said, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to write a blank check to me and I'll tell you how much it costs. What I didn't realize at the time the cost of ministry. And what I'm so thankful for now is what dad said to me in 2015. If you can do anything except for ministry, do that instead. Thank you for not calling me into ministry so that God could. I didn't know how much it was going to cost. The cost for me was determined by God. This 19-year-old in college who was saying, man, I don't know what ministry looks like. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Kind of angry at God. God, why did you take me into acting if I'm not going to use this degree? Who cares about a bachelor's of the arts and a performance in acting? That's going to do nothing for me. I was so annoyed. So like, this is a waste. Why am I here? And I had no idea how much it was going to cost me. And God said, write me a check and I'll tell you how much it's going to cost. What God was telling me to do is God was saying, burn the backups. Let go of what you think your life should be so that I can call you into what you need to be.
said, burn the backups. And what I've realized about following Jesus, honestly, is that trust, it's indivisible. You cannot split trust. You either have it or you don't. You either trust Jesus or you don't. And this is what Jesus was telling these three men. Do you trust me to provide you with a more purpose-filled life than what you can supply for yourself? That's what he told me in 2015. Do you trust me to supply a life that you can't supply for yourself? He's asking you, Grace Covenant Church, do you trust me to supply something for you that you can't supply for yourself? Do you trust me to burn the backups? Because it's not a matter. This is the question that God's asking us today. It's just simply asking, do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to burn the backup? To let go of what you've been holding on to. To say, I, I don't have the right answers. I might not have any answers. But all I know is I feel like you're calling me. I feel like you're calling me to step out. Proverbs simply says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You see, this is the one place where I believe the Lord is asking for quantity over quality. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will make your path straight. Some of us still believe God wants you to exclusively trust him with the best of your heart, with the cleanest parts of your heart, with the parts that people really want to see of your heart, but the parts that you keep hidden, don't trust him with that. The parts of you that are scared, you, he doesn't want that. The parts of you that are, are, are nervous and abused, the parts of you that have trust issues, he's saying, no, 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 trust in me with all of your heart. This is the Lord who doesn't want the best of you. He wants all of you. He's not asking you to give him the best of your heart, to acknowledge him in the best of your ways, on your best days claim to be a follower of Jesus, and on your worst days hide in shame until you get better. By no means. This is the God who's saying with all that you have, and if it's dirty, if it's clean, if it's empty, if it's full, if you're proud, if you're ashamed, he's saying, I didn't ask for the quality, I asked for all. Would you trust me with all of your heart? That means if you're in this room, you got a weak trust. He wants it. You got a nervous trust. Man, I don't know, God. Like, I'm just nervous. I feel it, but I don't know if I can do it. He wants it. You got a broken trust. You got trust issues. He wants it. He said, in all of your ways, with all of your heart, this is a God who wants all of you, not just the best of you. And we find in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, I love what Pastor AJ exhorted to us. He simply was telling us what Peter was experiencing as he was following Jesus out onto the water. And we find Jesus who has told them to go across the sea, the disciples. They're in a boat, a storm's happening. They're scared. They don't know what to do. Jesus calls out and they see this figure out on the water. It's, it's the middle of the night. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who it is. But I firmly believe that Peter had a realization because in Matthew 14, 28, 30, it says this. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out. 
You see, I think that Peter knew something about Jesus here. He didn't know what was going to happen. But Peter remembered just a few, maybe chapters ago, he's like, wait a minute, weren't we just in a boat with Jesus? And wasn't there just a storm that we were in? And didn't he just wake up out of the bottom of the boat? And didn't he just tell the storm to be quiet? And shh, and where did your faith go? And then he went back to sleep. Didn't this just happen? He says, wait, I think that's, I think it's, hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out. I think that's Jesus, guys. And Jesus walks on water, and then we always make fun of Peter because he sank in the water, but at least he got out the boat. And what I see here is I don't see 12 guys who don't know Jesus. I see 12 disciples. But I see them all making the boat their backup. And Peter steps out onto the water and seemingly does this. He walks on water. And this is what the Lord has taught me so practically. Is that 12 men saw a miracle. But one man had a testimony. Twelve disciples. They saw Peter walk on water. They saw Jesus walk on water. And then when they saw Peter ask Jesus to walk on water, they said, no, I want my backup. I need to stay safe. It doesn't look safe out there. This is not wise. Peter, you're going to drown. We don't think this is a good idea. They had a backup. Church, I'm telling you right now, don't be the disciples who just stay in the boat. Ask him to go out on the water. Why? Because you might be in this church. If you consider Christ coming to church your home, you might be in this church and you probably will see a miracle. If you stay here long enough, you're going to see a miracle. You're going to be one of the 12 that says, wow, I was there when he did that. That was so cool. And even Jesus then picked Peter up. He brought him back in the boat and they all worshiped God. You might be one in this church who says, and I'm going to worship. But don't settle for just witnessing a miracle. Pursue God. Burn the backup. Say, God, I don't want to settle for seeing a miracle. I want to experience a testimony. Some of our boats are backups. They got us to this point, but they won't get us there. And Jesus is calling us out onto the water, simply saying, do you trust me? It's one question. Do you trust me? Do you believe that I can supply for you better than you can supply for yourself? Can you step out of the boat and onto the water? And this is not a message about you need to be a better Christian with stronger faith and you need to be crazy, bold, and correct. No, 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 no. This is a message to say we can burn the backup because Jesus did it first. Jesus. It's not just to say in Colossians that he didn't account quality as a thing, uh, quality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he actually dwelled with us and he gave up his heavenly authority, but exactly was 100% God and 100% man, but gave up perfect unity with the Father to be with us. No, no, no. Although that's great, we also see Jesus burning the backup in the garden. Simply, this is what we see that Jesus knows that he's about to be crucified. And here's what he does. He prays in Matthew 26, 42. He says, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, 
Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Jesus didn't want to do this. And he said, I I would love for there to be any other way for this not to cost so much. I would love for me not to be humiliated. I would love for me not to go through the worst pain imaginable. I would love for me not to be separated from God the Father. I would love for that to happen. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus says, I'm going to burn the backup. I'm not going to live in a backup plan. I'm not going to keep the door open. I'm going to give it all to you, Jesus. Here's the thing. Jesus did not just experience horrible situations spiritually and physically. He experienced it socially. You know why? Because Jesus practically was misunderstood and he disappointed everybody. The Pharisees, they were frustrated with him. They didn't like what he was doing. The people who should have known the best didn't even accept him. The Jews, they were confused by him or maybe they just used him to get what they wanted. The disciples, they were disappointed by him. He was the king. He wasn't supposed to die. Jesus disappointed the Pharisees. He disappointed the Jews. He disappointed the disciples. Jesus disappointed everybody. But what I see in this simple verse where Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done, is that Jesus was willing to disappoint everybody except for the Father. He says, if it costs me, my friends, not my will, but yours be done. If it costs me my life, not my will, but yours be done. If it costs me my reputation, God, not my will, but yours be done. If it costs me to be separated from the Father, not my will, but yours be done. If it's this thing, if it costs me that I'm going to die for people who won't even acknowledge the free gift that I'm giving them, not my will, but yours be done. Because I am willing to disappoint everybody except for my Father. If I could say one thing, Church, I love you so much. And I want to make you so proud. But I am willing to disappoint everybody in this room. Except for my Father in heaven. Simply, it's because I trust Jesus. That's it. Because Jesus could trust the Father. Now, by the grace of God, I'm going to burn the backup and I'm going to trust Jesus. To trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon him.
God, we glorify you. God, I'm asking and I'm praying that your spirit will empower us to trust you. Lord, we realize that the backup plans that we have, they're not safer. That you said those who aim to keep their life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake and for the gospels will find it. Lord, we choose, I choose today, lose my life for your sake and for the gospel. God, find us. God, we choose to allow you to do what only you can do. And Lord, you have our proud dependence of you in this moment. God, there's no other hope. There's no other foundation. There is no other strength. There's no other joy. There's no other satisfaction. There's no other purpose that we have apart from you. Holy Spirit, help us trust you. We burn the back up, Jesus. We let it go. Saying as <laughs> what I can do, Lord, doesn't compare to what you can do. And what I can plan doesn't compare to what you can plan. And God, our, our skill and our personality and our money and our talents, God, they don't compare and they're empty without you. Fill us, Lord. Fill the church. Spirit, build your church. God, and as you build us, let us burn the back up so we might trust in you and your purpose and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.